This is an RNZ podcast. Kia ora and welcome to the Kim Hill Collection. Sean Davey is a British photographer who came onto the show to talk about her new book of photography. Uh, it's called Martha. But sometimes you get an interview that is nominally about a thing, whether it's you know a movie or an album or a book or a, a paper or whatever. But it kind of it goes on to sort of outgrow the thing and become about everything that inspired the thing. You know, it's about love and life and pain and insecurity and joy all wrapped up in this beautiful spontaneous kind of clarity and um and i think this is one of those interviews hope you enjoy it teenage life is pretty much a mystery really the posed selfies uh usually show what teenagers want to display but the secret life of adolescence tends to remain just that to most parents But Sean Davies, 16-year-old stepdaughter Martha, gave her permission to photograph her and her friends in very candid ways. And the result is a book of photographs called Martha. Sean Davies told me about the origins of it. I'd been photographing Alice, my youngest daughter, in a project, in my previous project, Looking for Alice. And Martha was a bit put out because only a couple of years before that, I was kind of learning about photography and she was my muse for the first year or two. And then my focus shifted to Alice. And then she said to me, why don't you photograph me anymore? And I didn't realize it was an issue that my focus had gone elsewhere. So... I said, well, let's make a project. <laughs> and it was that. Um, that sounds sad. Was she feeling, like she was 16 at that point, was she feeling neglected or...? Yeah, I think she was feeling neglected. I, uh, but I, when it comes to you know, photography, we've seen that people don't want the, the camera on them. And clearly she did. And I think also it's the mother's gaze, isn't it? There's a whole kind of load of stuff laid in that. Yeah. You know, Yeah. I turn my attention elsewhere. There's that. And also the idea that maybe she thinks that you're the only person who can really see her. Yeah. Do you think? And I think I'm, you know, I'm not Martha's, I'm Martha's stepmother. I think it's important to kind of acknowledge that in the series and that her own mother um, has, you know, mental health issues, but loved her so deeply, but actually couldn't uh, take care of her in the way that she needed. So I assume that an aspect of that role, I should say, from the age of seven. So she's experienced a huge loss somewhere, and then... For me, the stepmother now turning away is problematic. You know, it's difficult, isn't it? And uh, and so that's kind of what in, what it, what informed the series, I think. Yeah. Well, taking photographs of her doesn't automatically mean that you do an, an extraordinary series about an adolescent girl achieving womanhood. 
But that's what you've done. Did it just grow like Topsy? Yeah. I think, I know I'm now 53 and I got into photography in my mid-40s. And it was extraordinary. I just had so much passion and I still do for photography. It's like something switched on and I just, went. Had you never done it before? No. And so there was my own personal ignition. I just completely went nuts about this medium. I just saw the world in images. And I think I'd always had done anyway. I always had done. I was very visual. And my visual world, you know, it was a form of escape. For many years. You trained as a painter, did you? Yeah, I was a psychotherapist. No, but did you not train as a painter as well? No. Well, yeah, I did my first degree in painting. Right. (laughs) But that was many years ago, you know, and I went on to do a social policy degree. And, you know, my world became very political. I've got, you know, very... um, You know, feminism was really important to me and um, politics. And then I went... you know, to do the psychotherapy training. Um, And spiritually, my spiritual life is all in my work too. So I just keep evolving, evolving. And then it just felt like, you know, the kind of the tipping point. All those disciplines came together in the form of photography. And then I was off. I couldn't have made the work that I do now 20 years ago. But so when when we see your photographs, we're thinking about painting and and social policy and psychotherapy. Yeah. Can you tie those together for me? I get the painting because there's a very painterly aspect to the photographs, largely, I suspect, to do with the fact that you don't use digital. No. Um, talk to me about the social policy. Well, I think what drove me into social policy was my own history. I think it always comes back to the personal so my own history of the way I was parented. How were you parented? Um, well, kind of not very well, really. Kind of. Because <laughs> 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 I ended up being a psychotherapist. But I think I had a father that very rarely worked and a mother that worked all the time. And when she couldn't work, which wasn't often... Um, my father refused to get any social support. So in those days, if the mother, the mother just couldn't claim benefits in those days. It had to be the father and he just wouldn't. And so we were in absolute poverty. We were homeless at times. Anyway, it was very difficult. And I, so I've been definitely through my 20s, struggling with authority and politics and of the family. And so that drove me into studying social policy. I think one Mm. of your series of photographs were of the final days of your father's life. Yeah. Which must have been extraordinarily painful to do I I don't know was it painful to do or was it in some way a coming together with him 
I think the whole period of time was painful. I'd looked after my father. My sister and my brother had left and walked away from my father at 18, and I didn't. I'm one of these people, I've got to make it work. I have to try and resolve something. And I think I realised I couldn't resolve anything with my father. And so having spent most of my adult life somewhere taking care of him, he became increasingly more destructive as I was making that. That piece of work I did over a course of two days. Mm. And I just kind of, you know, I had to put, I just put my relationship with my father down and recognised I had, you know, I had to give up, which is a big deal for me, giving up. You can see in my kind of personality in, and in my life, I don't give up. What, and what ailed your father? Why why couldn't he or didn't he work? Um, well, there was long-term depression. But there's also, I think, I think we have to look at the kind of um, that generation that they didn't reach out for help. No. You know, and we have services available now, you know, and uh, obviously I know that as a psychotherapist, but he just didn't reach out and he was proud and he was, I mean, and yeah, he was, he couldn't reach out emotionally. And I think somewhere he was probably on the spectrum too. So there are all reasons, there are many reasons why that he didn't. And I don't really understand all those, but he didn't. What was your relationship with your mother like? Well, that was, wasn't great either. I think the context of our upbringing was very uh, difficult um, because there were very few resources in the family. My mother was really struggling. And, you know, it's very difficult for me. Um, and she died, actually, she died at um, 60 in the end from cancer and I always I just I think she just wanted to go mm. and so I'm left with a lot of sadness around my mother a huge amount of sadness that I wished it, you know I, I wished it'd been different so this and this obviously goes to your relationship with Martha, does it? Yeah, of course. That's, yeah, why, it does, yeah. that's why the photos s seem so freighted, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And when I, once I'd left home, I very rarely saw my mother, actually, again. I saw her only on on a handful of occasions, and it caused my mother so much sadness. And I had no idea. She's very, she's a very authoritarian woman, and very um, quite punishing. I'm I'm style. I'm older than you, but I suspect our parents were pretty much contemporaries. And I yeah. can't tell you how similar it all sounds. Really? Yeah. And they never yeah. talked about it, and they would never admit weakness, and they never asked for help. No. I know. <laughs> yeah. So then it's you... Generational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you became a psychotherapist. Yeah. Which, which is... Well, it's, 
too obvious for words, really. So you were trying to yeah, fix yourself and you were trying yeah. to fix other people. Yeah. And how did that work out for you? Well, the actual process worked out really well for me. I think I got my sanity back. I, uh, I spent my 20s reacting, you know, and acting out my childhood in a really <laughs> destructive way. And actually, some of it, I mean, I, I, I got involved in all the big party things, a lot of drugs, and some of it wasn't bad, some of it was. I found a community, I found another family that wasn't mine. You found, hang on a minute, you, you found another family? Well, in, in, in terms of friendship and in the community of people that I was partying with and playing with in my 20s. Right. In the whole dance culture. And I, but that doesn't really work out long term, but it didn't for me anyway. <laughs> and so I had to stop all that and just put the brakes on and make a decision. And the decision, in a way, was made for me. I was just feeling increasingly more insane and ungrounded, and it just wasn't working. And so what did you do? I went and got some help. So I went into counselling and began to just, just slow everything down and just shine a light on where I was in my life and start processing my history and my past through someone else and not through, you know, taking loads of drugs and doing what I was doing. You've said that what initially got you into photography was heartbreak. Hmm. My life is punctuated by heartbreak and I just think that's just how it is and it has how it has been I'm very kind of philosophical about it and it's 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 all felt very strong my life has just felt very strong and so I lost a baby um, wasn't full term but I don't think it needs to be and I just couldn't get over it. Something had really hooked in and I couldn't get over it. Was that to be your first child? No, that would have been my third child. Right. And I went to see this uh, exhibition actually in London. The Le it was the Louise Bourgeois retrospective at the Tate. And because of the way that Louise Bourgeois works, I mean, she just puts her cards on the table and she and there was a kind of compulsion or a need somehow to process her life through her work. And I left the exhibition and I just sat outside and I just sobbed about this baby that I'd lost. Something had just touched me so deeply. And I said to my partner at the time, I just, I'm going to start. I remember say, saying, I'm just going to have to start making work. And I just said, I think it's going to be photography. I mean, it was like that. I think it's going to be photography. And, and then I left there. And I think I picked up the camera soon after. 
And what was the first photographic work that you did? The one with my father. Good Lord. It's like throwing yourself into the deep end. So those are the first pictures I took. And I realised just the magic of photography, that the details and what happened in that picture somehow was a distillation of my whole relationship with my father in five images. I mean, I can read that, and I don't expect everybody will have their own perception of what the picture means to them. But for me, I can see everything in five pictures. And that blew me away. Mm. Completely blew me away. And and then I ran with that. By, by, by saying that you can see your whole relationship with your father in those five pictures, do you mean mm. you can see... Who he is, or yeah, who, or are you the, in the are you in the photos as well? Yeah, I am. Our whole relationship and lives together are in those photos, and what happened to my father and what he became are all in those photos. Yeah. And I can see references that just appear. Shall I describe it to you? Yes, example? please. So, in the last picture. Um, he's in the hospital and he's got his, he's covering his face. And he did say to me, don't photograph me. And then I just did anyway. So he's, he's covering his face there. And then I, when I got the picture back, the uh, negative back, on the pillow, the hospital pillow, the name of the company that made the pillow, you can see it kind of engraved on it, you know, kind of embroidered on it, called Sunlight. Yeah. And then he looks like he's trying to protect himself from the light. He's got his shielding his eyes with his hands. And then I was just so struck when I saw those together that my father had been not in his health and has been shielding himself from the light in his health all his life. And he'd referenced himself and he'd positioned himself in his pain. He was the most blaming individual I've ever met in my entire life. He was full of anger and hatred. I mean, I got letters of abuse and sitting outside my house. He had mental health problems. Um... But it was all in that picture. I'm talking to photographer Sean Davy. Let's talk about your first book, which yeah. which garnered a, a a great deal of of very glowing reviews and nominations. Looking for Alice, it yeah. was a series of photos about your little girl who yeah. was born with Down syndrome, and and I'm assuming that the political message behind this book is this is a beautiful child and despite the fact that most people terminate Down syndrome babies, Mm. this is the reason you shouldn't? Yes, that's part of it. And what's the rest of it? The rest of it is that this is a universal story and it's about all of us and our relationship to difference, regardless of whether it concerns race, gender. So, yes, on there is an aspect, I mean, it, this is about Alice, but it, is, it really is about 
how we all relate to difference. You, and you mean that you want people to examine their responses to the photographs? Yes, and I think in, in a way, Alice, there's something very particular about Alice, which I was really struck by, was that there's a quality about her in the way that she makes contact with others. Is that she's free of judgment. She's so in her body, she's so in her heart, that regardless of what's going on for you, internally or externally, she doesn't see it. And I think this was the message of the book, is that we go to great lengths to hide who we are from both from ourselves and from others. And we see that very clearly, don't we? This is what was underpinning the whole book and, and the story of the book. It's like this is what Alice is showing us. I mean, I, I don't want to, to do kind of fake <clears throat> psychotherapy on you, God forbid. But, yeah. but is it like there you were, you were brought up with people... Uh, not being frank and candid, and you yeah. were gifted a child who is nothing but yeah. frank and candid. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the thing about Alice is that I feel so deeply accepted by her. And vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a while, though. I didn't think... Having a child, I mean, I knew from early on, you know, there was a very high probability I was going to expect a child with Down syndrome, and we both felt we were resourced enough to carry on, and not everyone is. So we made that decision early on to, to, to carry on, but nothing prepared me for what happened, how I would feel. And... She didn't breastfeed. She didn't cry. So all those kind of things that babies do to tell us that we're needed just didn't happen. It was very, very painful. Mm. And also the absence of celebration, both in the hospital and everywhere else, was also quite difficult. And so it was that I had to go through quite a strong personal journey to deal with my own struggle to accept her. Right. And I knew that was with me. I remember looking at her in the hospital and I was looking at her thinking, she was born on this kind of full moon. It was a huge, huge moon she was born on. And I was looking at her and I was saying, what have you come with? That's what, you know, that's what I was saying to her. What have you come with? I knew she'd come with something. And she was born three and a half weeks early. And I said to my partner, there's a huge full moon in Scorpio and she's going to come that day. And she did. She came that day within minutes of it turning. And, um, and she's given me the most powerful lessons I, I could imagine. When you say you, you turned to your partner at the time, are you no longer with the father of Alice? No. No, we separated about two years ago. Ah. But Martha is still your stepdaughter? Yeah, yeah. She still lives here. Well, actually, she's heading off to university in London in a couple of months, but yes. So um, it's a complicated familiar... So she's here with me. It's a complicated situation, <laughs> but Martha lives with me here, yeah. Okay. And her father lives ten minutes away. Huh. 
Um, the series of photos about Martha, mm. they, they track, as we were saying, her development from a girl to a woman. Yeah. I just want to talk about some of them that we've, we've put up on our webpage. Mm-hmm. There's one called Last Family Holiday. Yeah. And it looks like people aren't happy. No. And that's kind of obvious. And the last family holiday, does that mean it's the last time that the family are all together to go on holiday because life takes them off in different places or it's the last family holiday because it's the last time the family is together full stop? It's the last time we were together. And I mean, there was a dual meaning. But you didn't know that when you took the photo, right? No, I didn't. Wow. At all, no. And so I think this is the afterlife of the photograph. What I am interested in, yes, is the afterlife of the picture yeah. and what it shows me. And, you know, the moment that you take that picture is accesses your unconscious world and it shows you what you need to see. Everything I needed to see about my life was in that picture. That things weren't working out. Did but you know that? Was, at the, did you know that at the time, though? No, not consciously. Oh. I was feeling it somewhere. But sometimes you you press the shutter on life because it just needs to show you something. I don't think anything is incidental. Just as that picture of my father, I you know the last picture of him shielding his face from the sun or himself was meant to show me something. How did you get Martha and more difficultly, I imagine, her friends to accept Mm. that you were hanging around with a camera? When When you get to the age of 15, she was at home a lot, and then gradually... She's meeting people, and I kind of liken now. I'm now I'm taking pictures to life as a stage, you know, as a um, as a stage, and people come onto it, and so you can't predict what's going to happen. And gradually, she began to make friends, and different people were coming in. So they were meeting me at the same time. Martha, Martha was meeting them, and so we were kind of finding each other at the same time and getting to know each other at the same time. And I think partly, you know, I always come back to making a body right like this is collaborative. And that Martha has this openness and generosity and interest that enables all those relationships to form. Does that make sense? Yeah. But as my son, I'm photographing him now in my third series. And it's just the two of us because there's no way he's going to let me go anywhere near his friends. <laughs> How no old is he? Like, four, just 14. <laughs> so I'm using a 10-8, big 10-8 camera and I'm photographing him and our relationship over three years, just the two of us. And, because... how's, and how's he responding to that? Oh, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of kind of filming it and documenting it. Because we row every week. We kind of go through this whole process together of him grumbling and then, oh, I wa-. he wants to, he, actually, he, he wants to do it. And then when we sit down, he does the normal kind of teenage, adolescent thing, and I don't want to be around my mum. But actually, we get on really well, otherwise I couldn't do it. 
but I'm using a 10.8 camera, which means we have to slow... It's a slow process. Why are you using a 10.8 camera? Because intuitively the 6.7 medium format wasn't working. Because why not? just didn't feel right. I just didn't feel right. It just felt like I wasn't seeing what was in front of me. Does that make So there was a kind of intuitive response. And then I went to see this... Um, I was in Paris Photo last year and I saw an August Sander print. And it just completely turned me around. And I spent so long looking at this image and had this incredible kind of reverence towards towards it. It was kind of, it was actually quite a spiritual moment. And I just stood there for a long time when it kept returning. And I said, this is where I need to be. And it what, was like seeing and what, the whole world on a cellular level. It what was, was the print? What was the print? What was it that struck you so? I think it was, it struck me more in terms of, well, of course, you've got the, the, the detail of a 10-8. It just magnifies life. But it was the intensity of it. It was just an intense image. It was a spiritual image. It was just spiritual. I'm talking to Sean Davy about the series of photographs she's published called Martha, about her... Uh, Stepdaughter, starting at the age of 16, going through to the age of 19. You will have dwelt upon the implications of um, exposing children and young adults to the gaze of strangers. Yeah, yeah, I'm aware of that. <laughs> and, I come across that. Yeah, so what do you say to the accusation that what you are doing could be dangerous? Well, firstly, I'm making art and I do work very ethically and responsibly and consciously. That's how I understand my practice. Yeah, I mean, nobody, I guess, would question that. It's just yeah. how they are received. A couple of the pictures on our webpage are quite confronting if you are concerned about the fact that there are people out there that might take advantage of young women, all right? One's called yeah. After the Swim and one's called Martha in the Morning. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, yes, that's come up and inevitably that will come up. And... I think it's unavoidable. I mean, the great thing about both of those shots is, about all of the shots, but those ones in particular, yeah. is that they are straight up. There's no preening. Yeah. There's no fake sexuality. No. There's, there's none of that pretense. And, and what it is is what it is. But you obviously can't control how it's received by... Some you know, there'll always, there. always be people that will sexualise images, always. And I can't, I, there's nothing I can do about that. And I think it's important to recognise that this is a mother's gaze. This is a woman's gaze. I think it's also important to recognise in these images 
they don't have to behave sexually in front of me, and they're clearly not. They've all been for a swim, and they've just climbed out the water in late spring. And they're all shapes and sizes. I think, I think this says so, so much about, about young women, about well, young women being who they are and not having to perform. And I think I've had a very uh, strong, um, and I still do, I'm very, very um, anti-pornography. I belonged to the um, campaign against pornography for, for many years. I will not have it in my house, and I educate my children not to use it because of the abuse against women. 87% of the images in pornography are um, abuse and violence against women. And so that's really in my work, working with, the, with these girls, about really holding them in, in a healthier light about who they are and allowing them to be who they are as a photographer. The photograph of Martha in the morning, was that, a, was that fairly late on in the series? Yes. Because she, like she looks like a grown-up all of a sudden. Yeah. Hey. And, and I think that was the, that was the shift um, that you see when you walk alongside someone. And it's such a specific window that I was shot the series in over two years. And it's uh, developing so fast. And I think it's one of the most, really, the, the most, in terms of developmental shifts, the most... Uh, intense and strongest, isn't it? Just if we go through puberty and come out the other end. And she'd recently um, formed a relationship with her boyfriend, who she's still with two years later. Is that the bloke in um, the first, yeah. Martha's first love photograph I saw? Yeah, that's the one. Oh, nice. Good. And so she's still <laughs> with him. And, and so you can just see it in her body, just this kind of sense of ease and kind of surliness and pissed offness that I'm still photographing her. <laughs> and But also resignation. Like, what yeah. is it now? That's it. It's like, oh God. You know, and I'm <sighs> I'm saying, Can you just Martha, she's in the kitchen and I got I've always got my camera on the work surface somewhere. And I'm just saying and the lights, you know, I've got very I'm in a kind of dark cottage. So I just hold the camera, you know, can I just take one more picture? It's like, oh, God. Do you wish and that think... somebody had taken photos of you at that stage of your life? Like no. That? No. Because? I don't think, I think my visual memory is, is enough. I don't think I really want to Go have back any there. more than that. Because I don't want to go back there. No. Do you think Martha will? Yeah. And I think in an aspect of me moving here from Brighton, so I live near London, and the part, you know, and I grew up in Brighton, so part of me saying let's all move to the West Country was I just didn't want my children to be around, I suppose, anything that reminded me of my own childhood. And... I kind of thought, actually, let's move them to a more rural setting. And it's been amazing. This is Devon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why you can have pictures. I mean, normal from filming in New Zealand, here people look at those pictures and don't recognise them as being in the UK because we're very overpopulated. There's very little land. 
And but where I live, there is a community, and the kids do jump in the river after school. And that's not typical of the UK at all. Your um, project with Joseph then is yeah. is obviously ongoing. Are you simultaneously doing other projects as well? Well, I've always got other things on the go. So last year I did a project for the a commission. So I do kind of commission work. So I, I was doing... Um, commission for the National Portrait Gallery last year, which took me all over the UK. That was about families, yes? Yeah, that was about families. And so I photographed families across the UK and for about six weeks. And then I'm now working on a big commission for the Science Museum for the £30 million wing. What are you doing? Something like that. Well, I'm, I'm, they, they've asked me to populate it because it's their new science wing. So... What I'm doing is I'm taking photographs of people with various disabilities and I'm making life-size portraits to go in the gallery for, that will be installed there for the next 25 years, which is a bit daunting. And they said for 25 years, you know, so it's, it's an interesting project in terms of you can't contextualise it because you can't reference it in it being now. Uh, and there's ethics committees and panels going on and conversations about difference, which is why they've asked me to be the photographer because of my interest in disability and difference. Mm. It's a very complex project. Um, And so I start shooting that in the next couple of weeks. Given how recently you started taking photographs... You've had a meteoric rise, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I'm just... And I am a bit... I mean, I am overwhelmed by that. I think I'm tired a lot of the time. I've still got too many kids that <laughs> I look after. <laughs> and I just come back from New York last week and I had a show there and my book launched for my second book. And then I have a big solo show in Sweden which I'm now preparing for, and a show in Paris and a show in London. And that's in the next... And I'm preparing for the work for the Science Museum, and that's all in the next couple of months. So I'm... It's intense. What do you I think... I think it's intense. What do, you, what do you think the explanation is for for why everybody wants your work? I don't know about that. I think we can take that as red, all right? But why? Yeah. Why do you think so? I think there's something about I'm very honest and I I do put my cards on the table in life because actually what I've had to keep clearing in my life is shame. Shame of what? Well, shame of my past and my childhood. I was actually sexually abused as a child too. And so it's, I've had to, to keep um, working through all this stuff. And, and as I keep clearing and clearing and clearing, it's having to clear the shame and guilt and, you know, anxiety until I'm 
more spacious and free of that. And then you just see life as just this is how it is. And actually, in my psychotherapy practice, what I was struck by was just how similar we are. Everybody, you mean? Yeah, everybody. And we go to enormous lengths to hide our phobias and anxieties. I mean, enormous lengths. And then I'd sit in front of someone and I was struck by how interconnected we all are. That's a recognition that, quite aside from anything else, just comes with age, doesn't it? I think so, definitely. But also, um, I've got a very... um, My spiritual practice is Tibetan Buddhism. So I kind of spent a long time in monasteries from the age of 30. So some of that recognition definitely comes from that period of time of self-reflection and just quietening down. And I think that the spiritual side of my life is definitely in my work. And... I don't think, um, and I, I suppose I don't, I don't feel afraid to put myself out there and say this is how it is. Do you think that? <laughs> do you think yeah. that you'll have yet another career after this, or do you think this is it for the for the um, for the duration now? <laughs> I don't know that. Huh. I think I wonder if there is another kind of career after this, and I think everything is has its time. I mean, I'm working with Joseph. I've had some lovely commissions. I mean, I did a lovely um, campaign for Save the Children, photographing this woman giving birth, and it was like an incredible biblical moment in there and of this child coming, and and I just love taking pictures. So I don't know. I think there's always a possibility. Sometimes I think this is all too much. The intensity of meeting this, it feels too much. And then I'm back on it again because I love my work. Sometimes I think, oh, what would it be like just to go and go into a monastery and stop? I have no idea. Well, you could but try that. if I feel you something, well, I could, yeah, I could do that. I think if, if I feel something in the next couple of years, I just follow it. I always say to people, you know, you've got to take risks in life and you have to follow your heart. And so if my heart tells me to do something else, then I will. It was Sean Davy, and you can see some of her photos on our web page. The book is called Martha.